there in the book of Hebrews we read this this morning. What, what would you title that portion that we read? It talked about a testator. It talked about a testament. It talked about different things. It talked about blood that was shed. It talked about Moses in, the, in those few verses. What would you call that if you want to title that portion of scripture in your Bible? What would you title that? A will. I, I, where did I hear that? A will. It is. It's a will. Well, <laughs> I've got a will here. Uh, can you read that from the back almost? No. A <laughs> last will and testament. And it's a, uh, one of those you can fill out. It's pretty old, this one. I don't know. I had it in my file under W, so I thought I'd pull it out. And um, it's one of those big sheets of paper you get, an official looking. The last will and testament of me. And then you put your name in there and you sign it and you revoke all other wills. And there's an ex executor or administrator of the will and they put their name down there. And then you put the will with all the details and then you, uh, you've got a couple of pages for that. Must be a rich person for this one. <laughs> a lot of stuff. And um, dated this day of... Uh, thousand, it's not old, nine, 1,900 and something. Um, <clears throat> signed. It has to be signed by the testator and it has to be signed by witnesses too. You know, this is a blank form. But it needs to be signed by both the one giving the will and the ones who are testifying and usually done before the solicitor. Who, who's got a will? Has anybody got a will? Got a will? Okay, under W, <laughs> or it may be at the um, the solicitors or in the bank vault uh, or wherever. And I, once there, in 2010, I we were going to Israel. I thought we better get those out and renew them. And I thought, where are they? <laughs> and I had to think through solicitors we'd used in times past, and we eventually found them. They're at a solicitor's place. I thought they're in the bank. But, you know, they are important documents. And I know the first one we made out, it had a, a, a wax thing that was sealed so that you couldn't open it. And oh, if you opened it, you could see that it had been broken and then it become null and void. <clears throat> so there is wills that we have down here. And we have the will of God and his testament written to us and we are the benefactors. Can you believe that? <laughs> that God has written a will out. And he's made us the benefactors. We're the heirs. What a privilege to be mere mortals made of dust. That we have the privilege of God <laughs> leaving us something. And wow, has he left us something. Let me read here. <clears throat> Do you ever think about it? People's last words. Have you ever considered their significance? Last word statements tell us much about a person and what they believe. Their outlook on life. They pro provide clues to the person's primary interest and concerns. Jesus described it in this way. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <clears throat> At times, I've been with people that have said some last words. As a pastor, you get to do that. Not that you want and desire to, but you're in hospitals and in rooms, 
and they are very serious. They are facing death. And they're important words that are said. And you, you sort of just remember them when they're said to you. I remember talking to one that I called a, a uncle, an uncle. He was like a second father to me. Went to visit him. He was dying of cancer in his home. And he said to, the, he said to me this, preach the word. <laughs> so I, can't, I don't forget it. He's laying in his bed, preach the word. And then he said, and don't let anyone pull your strings. <laughs> he was a very pointed individual. <laughs> he said, don't let anyone tell you what to preach. And if they do, don't let them. And if they try to pay you to change your message, don't let them. In other words, don't let anyone pull your strings. And that, that stayed with me. That was some 20-something years ago. Others have said to me, because they're concerned with those that are leave, they're leaving behind and are not going to see in this life again, they say, look after my spouse. Or, and they name the individual, whether it be a husband or a wife or children. They say, yeah, look out for them. Try to help them along the way. And, and, and folks, Christians should do that for one another. Christians should do that for, who, for those that have lost their loved ones. <clears throat> Australia's most notorious, infamous bush ranger uh, is Ned Kelly. And what was his last words? <laughs> yeah, you see? <laughs> Such is life. <laughs> oh, well. And going, going to be hanged down there at Pentridge Prison. And such is life. I mean, he knew what he'd done. He knew he'd broken the law. And there are reasons they might put, well, you know, he was, he was hard done by. His family was treated this way, but nonetheless, he was a murderer. And such is life. A businessman, a business, businessman and an entertainer, Barnham, said just before he died... <coughs> What are today's receipts? <laughs> you get to the end of your life and you, you're about to kick the bucket and you say, what have I got in the bank? Hey, what does it matter if what you've got in the bank? It matters nothing, does it? Uh, Karl Marx, having left his wife and children destitute in the pursuit of his political purposes, was uh, approached by his housekeeper, and she said, have you got some last words? And he said, go on, get out. Last words are only for fools who have not said enough. <laughs> you know, people respond and they mean what they say when they say these things. I've got no last words, in other words. But William Carey, the father of modern missions, said just prior to his decease, when I'm gone, speak not of William Carey, but William Carey's saviour. Speak of him. Hmm. The preacher-theologian John Wesley started the Methodist Church, reportedly whispered as he lay dying, best of all, God is with us. And people do sense that when they're going, if they're believers. But finally, the Lord Jesus Christ, his last words, and there are several occasions for last words from the Lord Jesus, because things kept happening. But on the cross, there were some 
Seven last words, we might say. He said on the cross as he was dying there between the two thieves, Father, forgive them. Looking upon those who were murdered him, those who had nailed the nails through his hands and feet, placed a crown of thorns on his head, Father, forgive them. Those religious people that put him on the cross, religious people, supposed to know their Bibles, the Old Testament, forgive them. Another one, today thou shalt be with, mar- par- with me in paradise. And that was the thief who at the start was railing at the Lord Jesus. If you be the son of God, get us down from here. Get yourself down and, and you know, take over the Romans. But he had a change of heart, didn't he? As time progressed and as he was dying, he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, he said to the Lord Jesus. And, and Jesus turned as much as he could and said with the few breaths he could take, you know, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He, that man didn't have to go to church. That man didn't have to get baptized. That man didn't have to do good works. He couldn't do any of those. He's on the cross dying. But he, where, where was he promised? By faith he believed and he was going to be with the Lord in paradise. Um, <clears throat> last words of the Lord. Woman, he said, behold thy son, talking to his mother there. And then he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As darkness came for three hours upon the face of the earth at the time of the crucifixion in mid-afternoon. My God, my God. You know why he was forsaken? Because the Lord Jesus was bearing our sins and God the Father could not look on the sins that our Saviour was bearing on our behalf at that time. He also cried out, I thirst, I thirst. This is all another sermon. He cried out, it is finished. He could say that because all the Old Testament things that spoke about him, he had fulfilled to the last jot and tittle and crossed the T's and dotted the I's in fulfilling everything. It is finished. And it is finished. He had provided the sacrifices. No more sacrifice. No more lambs. No bullocks or doves to be shed their blood because it is finished. I have completed the work of my, my, my father on the cross on the behalf of men. And then he said... Last of all, the seventh saying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he certainly, the father took care of his son and brought him back to glory, raised him from the dead. Uh, The second thought on last words is after he was murdered, crucified on the cross, put in the tomb and rose from the dead, he turned up to his disciples for Around 50 days, he was making his presence known, only turning up to those that believed on different occasions, just without announcement, turned up in the room at the gathering. And he said to them, make disciples of all nations. Go baptize them, making disciples. That's what he said. And that's a command that he's left with the church. Go out, tell people what has been accomplished on their behalf. Jesus died for their sins. I've died for your sins, of their sins, and go tell them that and make disciples all over the world. And, and that unsaved commentator said, there's no one changed the world like Jesus Christ. You can't argue the fact that he lived, and you can't argue the fact he said that he, the guys, that, that he was being raised. Now he's talking about him as being that, that individual. This is an unsaved person. Do we believe like that? I pray that we do. And uh, the testimony, the, the people that saw him, the amount of 500 people at once saw the raised 
Lord Jesus. And he said, go. Let's get back to these last words. He said, he said in a letter to the, in the last book of the Bible, he sent to seven churches and said, this is my will for you. And he gave them a message to seven churches that had begun by that time when that was written. But this morning, thinking of what he said as he had men record the word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit after he had ascended and gone to heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit, the Comforter that has come, and he's given us his last will and testament there in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. And let's go through some of the thoughts that are contained in this. For where a testament is, there is also necessity of the death of the testator. So we look at the points this morning that are brought up in this passage of Scripture and other passages of Scripture about the testimony, uh, the testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it to our hearts this morning. We thank you that this is the day of the resurrection. Early in the day you rose from the dead and you <laughs> appeared to those people, surprised them, shocked them, had them rejoice, and they couldn't believe who they saw. What a wonderful thought that you have been alive forevermore from that point and will be. And you're seated at the right hand of the Father on high as your word has said. Well, thank you for the revelation and may we receive the testament today and become your children. If we're not, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> A will, first of all, must be put on record. I have... And, and I'm, I'm not picking on people here, but I've asked some people in church, I, when you know things are getting a little touchy and you're getting older, they've got a will. Because if you don't have a will, and maybe I need to tell you, if you don't have a will, uh, father and mother, and uh, the, the government get it. And they take a long time to deal with it. <laughs> and your benefactors... Um, might not get as much, put it that way. So that's an earthly will. But it must be on record. You've got to write it down. And, and if you've got one that needs updating, maybe to be a, a Christian that's responsible, fix it up, you know, adjust it. It doesn't take much to do that. But God has given us a record. The Bible is recorded in heaven. It's recorded on earth for us. And we have the record. This is the will of God. Read it, you should. Read it, you must. Read it to understand the word. I was sitting across the table at lunchtime up at Wagga in the church there yesterday afternoon. Just started talking to visitors that had come from different places, talking to a man. He came from 200 kilometers north. And I said, what did you do for life? You know, what's your experience? What you've been doing? And he's singing. And I talked a little bit. And then we got on to bulldozers, of course. and Because he drove bulldozers and heavy earth moving machinery. And he said, what's your name? And I told him, Gavin Jekyll. He said, oh, I work for a Jekyll down there. He didn't even have his license. But he got driven to the job on one of the freeways in Melbourne. A Jekyll. I said, well, I started figuring that out and narrowed it down to two people who it could have been. <laughs> but <clears throat> he said he worked in Canberra on the roadways when Canberra was being built 
and I said, oh, you didn't meet a fellow with a, an old international water cart, and it was green, dark green, like a B-51 Mack truck. <laughs> and he said, Joe Lamack. <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> up in Canberra there. And he said, you wouldn't know, him and Bill Locke were the ones that lived the Christian life before me, and I was not a Christian. They didn't have to say a word. When they said, come to church, I jumped in and went to church and got saved. <laughs> and there he was sitting across the table and hadn't seen Joe for 40 years. But I said, well, I'll get your address and you can talk to him. Gave it to him last night. You know, you <clears throat> the Lord changes people. When the last will and testament, when we share that with other people, it has an effect. And praise God for that, that it goes, it's still, go, still happening. <laughs> the Bible it gives us the record in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse 89. The Bible is recorded to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. But these things are written that ye might believe, it says in John 20, 31, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Yes, it has been recorded that if you believe, you have life. Thirdly, the Bible was recorded to assure believers all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for... Next one. Reproof. For co correction and for instruction. The Bible is the record. The Bible tells us how to become Christians and how to live the Christian life. The Bible has it there in illustration. It has it there... In type form in the Old Testament, it has it there in prophetical form in the Old Testament, it has it in the New Testament, that is the Old Testament, you know, explained. And folks, we have the record and nobody will be, will be without, without an excuse when they get to heaven. I didn't know, well, in Australia, you can go and buy one of these any place down in Albury and in many towns and secondhand bookshops, you'll find people that have discarded them. You can find them, and you will, you've got the record. Praise God for his word. And uh, he's written the will in his record. A will, secondly, must have an executor. Who is the executor of this one, that, uh, the administrator of the will? It is the Lord Jesus himself. And this, ad this ad administrator must have wisdom. Uh, I've got a lot of wills in, under W in my thing. People say, here, take my will and be an uh, executor. And, <sighs> and what's the other thing you can become? A power of attorney. And I just said, look, I, I wouldn't have the time to do it justice. Leave that for someone else. Choose someone that you trust, you know. Choose, choose someone with wisdom, and, and the Lord Jesus is the one that is wise, is he not? It tells us in Colossians 2 and verse 2 that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in, in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Does he know how to administer the will to people? Yes, he does. He's got absolute wisdom. Uh, praise God for that. The administrator also must have power. Uh, does the Lord Jesus have power? Yes, all power is given unto me in 
heaven and earth, Matthew 28, 18. And if you don't believe it, one day you will understand the power of the Lord Jesus. And I keep on thinking about this. You know, I've been saved for 50 years or plus. And you start thinking, in six days, he spoke everything into existence that is in existence. Everything out in space and the galaxies and every, every detailed little thing that is down on earth and in the sea and on the, on the earth. It just, power, absolute power, but not corrupted. Perfect power. The administrator must be present also. And lo, I am with you always. The Lord is there always. So it must be on record. It must have an executor. The Lord Jesus is that. A will must be signed by the testator as well, by the one giving it. Over there in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 that we read, Wherefore, or for when, where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. And he must have signed this. It's signed by his faultless life. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. This is a political leader of the time, a Roman. He said, I find no fault in this man. Why are you wanting to do this to him? Why are you wanting to crucify him? And they cried out, crucify him. As by his faultless life, no man could find anything. God the Father could not find fault in his son. Everything perfect. Everything the thoughts, the intents, the motives, everything he did and said was perfect without sin. And the, the scriptures tell us that. And you know, over there in First Peter chapter 1, um, 2 and verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Yes, it was signed by his faultless life. It was signed by his vicarious suffering. He signed the will. And First Peter again, chapter 2, verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. And he suffered for us. He took our payment for our sin on the cross. You know, just this week, we've had a man that was convicted of ki killing his wife, have we not, in Australia. National news. And what is the outcry from the conviction because it's 10 years but he could get out in four or five years not enough not enough justice wasn't done what's wrong with our system why aren't the courts cracking down on these people you know if you can kill a person and only get the six years in jail for it you see we want justice God whose image we are made in desires justice Someone has to pay for all the heinous crimes and big and little sins, and to God they're all big. Someone has to pay. Who signed this will? The Lord Jesus with his suffering. And he bore in his own body on the cross our sin. All of our sin for all of mankind if they believe. It was signed not only by his faultless life and by his vicarious suffering, where he became our substitute, it was sealed by his shed blood, was it not? In chapter 9 of the 
book of Hebrews there where we read from in verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So that's the system they had and where the, the temple they had and the offering of blood that they did. He entered into the holy place <laughs> and he paid the price with his blood. We say the ultimate sacrifice, don't we, of soldiers that have gone off to serve and they paid the ultimate, they died. He paid the ultimate. He died on our behalf. His blood was shed. And that's why the singing of the songs today were around the blood that was shed. It, the, uh, <coughs> this was signed, this will was signed, uh, this testament was signed, and uh, it was assured by his resurrection. In Romans 4.25 we read, Who was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. In Revelation 1.18, Who was dead and I am alive forevermore. He who testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, even so come Lord Jesus. He is alive and, and waiting to come to take his loved ones home that they might know the will and testament that he's got waiting for them. Up there, the rest of it. We know so much of it already. A will requires witnesses. So it must be put on record, must have an executor, the Lord Jesus. It must be signed by him, and he signed it with his own life. A will requires witnesses. The Father is a witness. If you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and verse 36... John 5 and 36, the Father is a witness, and we read this there, but I have greater witnesses than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. <laughs> the Father witnesses of his Son. Can you remember who witnessed your will? If you have one, one of these. <laughs> they might not be friends anymore. <laughs> but sometimes they're the, um, the, the, the solicitor and, uh, and the secretary. And you don't even know them. You say, mm. I felt uncomfortable about having these guys sign that. <laughs> but they were there and that's what happened. And they were just verifying that, you know, this is me, and, and, and they write it down. They put their name there. They were witnesses. The Father is a witness. <laughs> the Bible is a witness. John five thirty nine, we read, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The Bible testifies to the witness that this will has been given. The Father is, the Bible has testified. And in Hebrews 2.4 we read, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts and of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the early church people were witnesses. God bearing them witnesses, witness by the power of the Holy Spirit in the things that happened there in Hebrews 10.15. And the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. And he testifies to us. He speaks to us. He speaks to your heart and mind when you hear the gospel being given. And so it, these three have witnessed, and yea, four, the early believers, the church, witnessed. 
And um, believers witnessed the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and walked and talked with him. And some ate with him after he had been raised from the dead. And they are witnesses. Our will and testament, fifthly, is ineffective while the testator lives. Notice that in our reading in, in the book of Hebrews there. In verse 17 of chapter 9, For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Jesus became a man in order to die. He, that was the plan all the way along in Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus Christ, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus Christ is our kinsman, redeemer. He walked amongst us. He took on the, the form of a man, was made in the likeness of men. He, he was tempted. He knew what we go, he, he, he knows what we go through and knew what we were going to go through and knew what we did go through. And the will is ineffective while he was living. And until he died, the testament that we have, the new, could not be brought into effect, could it? All the fulfillment of the types in the Old Testament could not be fulfilled until he died. It all pointed to that. It, in fact, right back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis 3.15, he would bruise the serpent's head and the serpent, Satan, would bite his heel. But he would crush the serpent and he'd crush death. He'd bring life to the people. And so while he was alive, our redemption wasn't complete. Could, we could not be born again <laughs> because we wouldn't be able to trust in him. Now, by faith they believed... And all their sins were covered by the sacrifices of the Old Testament. But when he died, the testator who gave these things to us, then it all came into effect. Uh, Jesus knew he had to die. He testified that he had to die. And I'd love to look verses up we haven't at the time. But in Luke chapter 9, there, when they, they were <clears throat> on the Mount of Transfiguration and his glory shone before Peter, James and John, and uh, they, they testified of, he, he testified of his decease at Jerusalem. He was going to die. Except the apostles weren't, the disciples were not willing to accept it, but he was going to die. Peter wasn't going to accept it. He drew the sword and cut off the fellow's ear in the garden when they come to capture the Lord Jesus. But he's going to die. That was his destiny. He was going to die for your sins, my sins, our sins. As our kinsman, redeemer, Jesus knew he had to die. He spoke of it many times. And, and once when he's, he spoke of it, Peter said, Peter said, not so. You're not going to do that. You're going to become the king of Israel. That's it. We're going to have a kingdom here. And the Lord said, get thee behind me, Satan. That's what he said about Peter when Peter said, you're not going to die. All of eternity. Peter didn't understand it. He, that all the promises of the Old Testament could not be fulfilled unless Jesus died. The death of the testator. You, now... <laughs> If you've got a will, if you've got an inheritance before the, those that wrote it have died, you are a privileged person. <laughs> but it usually is after they've died. One has said, "Give you given, do you given while you're living, then you know where it's going. <laughs> and maybe that's a wise thing too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> 
particularly in relation to church. Jesus knew he had to die. Jesus' death was the Bible's theme. From cover to cover, it talks about the Lamb. Brother McConnell preached on that the other Sunday night about the Lamb. And um, we might be touching on that in a couple of weeks again, but in a, in a, different, a different angle. The will names the heirs. Isn't that good? The will names the heirs, and God has named the heirs. Listen to these verses. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. And if ye be Christ, if you're Christians, if you're believers, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Your heirs. Galatians 4, 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. There's a song we sing, he owns the cattle on a? He owns the cattle on every hill. There's <laughs> a thousand. He owns everything. Now, I'm not saying, well, you become a Christian, so inherit the earth. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. Become a Christian because Christ died for you and paid for your sin and you need to be saved. <laughs> and you become an heir of God. That's the benefits of it. If you're a son, you get a, an inheritance. But if the servant, you don't. We're sons if we believe in the Lord Jesus. First Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Paul told us in the verses we've read, now Peter tells us we're heirs. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. What's going to happen to this world? Even scientists know that it's going to wear out, grow old. The Bible says like an old garment. The sun is going to burn out. Then what? <laughs> you see, then the inheritance, then eternity. Well, before that, God's not going to let it burn out. He's going to blow it up. Uh, well, he's going to burn it up and cleanse it. It tells us in the Bible. You know, this, these are things that are for the sons, inheritors of the promises. We can read his testimony. We can read the testament in the word. The will names the heirs. Paul tells us, Peter tells us, and James tells us in James 2 and verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? So is your name on a will on earth somewhere? If you could choose the person you wanted to be an inheritor to a... Uh, a benefactor of, who would you choose? Sort of reveal your spiritual life, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd choose uh, Gina Reinhart. <laughs> Isn't she the richest lady in the world? I don't know. Well, she's rich in worldly things. But the poor in faith shall inherit the earth. That's what it says in Scripture. Yes, we have a wonderful Saviour who's written our names down in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's written our names in his will, a testament. What a privilege. And the last point, a will describes the inheritance. 
What's coming? Well, in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, it tells us, By which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. You know, the will has already started to be, has been enacted already in that we're his children, we're his sons, we're his daughters, we have a changed life. We have different motives for living life. Uh, we are blessed already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1, read about that. But we have a new nature. That's a part of the inheritance. We have peace with God. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance in heaven for eternity. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, But as it is written, eye hasn't seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man those things that God has prepared for them that love him. Uh, what an, a promise. Forever. What is the big one that you know and probably remember? It's in one of the Gospels about the inheritance about the, uh, it being described a little bit. John, John. 14, 14, 14, 1 to 6. And um, <clears throat> I go prepare a place for you, an inheritance. And, and, and then it concluded with this verse up here. That Jesus said, Thomas said, how can we get there? <laughs> I want to go. Well, here's how you go. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And if you want to read more about what's in the Lord's will and what he has written as a testator and what he has left as he has died for us and uh, we are his children and his sons and his daughters, read the Bible. And you'll find the great blessings from cover to cover. Now, present blessings and future blessings. I invite you to trust the Lord Jesus. You know, you don't even have to pay to become a Christian. You don't have to do anything to become a Christian. You just believe what's been done. This time, 1,900 and I think 89 years ago. This week. That many years ago. That Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Do you believe that? Do you believe you're a sinner and need him? He said you do. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have you believed by faith? Without faith it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Believe by faith and you become his child. It's like that. As many as received him to them become them gave you power to become the sons, children, daughters of God. Believe on him. The greatest legacy that we could leave our children, is it not that the Lord Jesus gave his life for them? What a wonderful will and testament we have. God will never go broke. God will never be left short on something because he owns it all. This is what it testifies. This is a testament. Believe it, and you have life.